Back in the lab, and it's the first of many Minnesota Twins postcasts right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network with myself, Luke Inman, on X at Luke underscore Spinman. Look at him. He's my co-pilot riding shotgun with me. Sam the Man Ekstrom. Follow him on X at Sam Ekstrom. And Sam, as we kind of wait for some of our peeps to jump into the live feed so we can get into our deep dive on today's dramatic come-from-behind 5-3 victory over the Reds, let me first remind you, this postcast episode brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or use the promo code locked on for a free water bottle with any purchase. That's right. Any order, no matter the size, Bird Dogs is giving you a free water bottle with the promo code locked on. Don't miss this offer because you don't and you won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. I promise you that. All right, plenty to talk about on today's show, Sam. Rest assured, we're going to do a full deep dive on the full breakdown, the entire recap. Today's 5-3 come from behind winner with all the news, the notes you can handle. But before we do that, let's just briefly get everyone caught up on the A topic, kind of on everyone's mind, which is that injury scare of not one, but two, the biggest names on the Twins. Of course, talking about Carlos Correa re-aggravating that foot injury on Monday night. He was quoted by saying he heard a pop, which is never what you want to hear. And then if that wasn't bad enough, last night you got Royce Lewis. He pulled up lame, trying to beat out that infield hit in the sixth inning. That was already stressful enough. But the real damage, that was done later in the game. He had to leave in the middle of an at-bat in the eighth inning with some hamstring tightness. So, Sam, obviously lots to digest here. Let's just start with Correa here first. Now that we know they've kind of put him on that 10-day I.L., It was reported he got an MRI done yesterday. It showed that he did, in fact, have a full tear with that plantar fasciitis. But I think when you talk to other players who have gone through this type of tear before, this injury, you'll not only hear that there's actually some improvement, but there's some alleviation of some discomfort there as well. Doesn't end up becoming as much of an issue much longer after the fact. So I guess with all that said, and the Twins are still very confident about the chances of playing in October here, Sam. But that's all great to hear initially, right? But how should Twins fans really feel now knowing full well one of their best players is going to be far from 100% by the time the playoffs actually roll around? Like, with everything we know, what's just your level of concern here with Carlos Correa specifically? Yeah, it's it's a complicated feeling right now because I think that I, I want Carlos Correa in the lineup in October. He's got a World Series ring. He's Carlos Correa. His defense is still impeccable. His leadership is still very good. I I want him on the field. But if he's not 100%, he hasn't been 100% all year, or most of the year, since he the plantar fascia came up in May. It's affected his play. He's a 230 hitter. So the, the Lewis thing just concerns me far more because Correa has been struggling. Now, there's been moments in September where I've looked at Correa and I've looked at his, the way he's barreling the ball, um, some of his big hits, he, he's had some really good swings this month that kind of make me think, all right, this guy's going to be an asset in October. But Royce Lewis has been carrying your offense, and he's the offense, and you probably saw the stats on Valley Sports today, they're like scoring a run and a half more after the All-Star break. OPS is a 100 points more, and Royce Lewis is a big reason why. So the Correa thing... I don't think it's the end of the world if he's not 100% in the playoffs. I believe he's going to gut it out, though. I mean, everything that was said today from the manager, the interim manager, from Correa himself, very optimistic he's going to be on the field. Clinching is an inevitability at this point, so give him the rest. Get him a few at-bats late in the season. 
uh, if you can in the, those last couple of days and, and then let him, let him, let him go see if he can do it in October. But I think getting him the rest now is good. And uh, he hasn't really been a hundred percent for a while. No, that's a good breakdown there. And Royce Lewis, he tweaks the hammy in the eighth at the plate. This was just, you know, it's a nightmare scenario to watch unfold last night because just being so close to the playoffs here down the final stretch, now they're going to wait. They're going to get a little bit more info. They're going to do the MRI tomorrow once that kind of initial swelling goes down. So we'll know a lot more by then. But two things here for you. Number one, whether it was affiliated to it or not, when you see your best player pull up lame like he did in the six. Were you just kind of frustrated at all that they didn't just pull him from the game right there? And then number two, just how crushing of a loss would this be? I mean, knock on wood, God forbid there's any you know structural damage and the Twins would be without their best player for any portion of playoffs, let alone game one. Yeah, again, the we sometimes knock the Twins for coddling players with injuries and being overly cautious. Well, this might have been a case where you should have been overly cautious with a player of that importance in let's be honest the games day to day right now are not that critical you're going to win the division and you're probably not going to catch Houston i know that's in the back of people's minds but um i don't think that resting Royce Lewis if you have any doubt would have been a bad play and some people brought up well if Rocco Baldelli was there this would never would have happened i don't know if you want to play that game i mean Royce Lewis gutted out an ankle issue with, I think, on Rocco's watch a few days prior. They didn't take him out of that game either. I think sometimes you trust the player to to let you know if he can continue. It looked like Royce wanted to stay in the game too after the hamstring issue, and Tingler said, "No, no, you got to you got to sit down." But it's crushing. It's it, it's a crushing blow to potentially this lineup. Which before the rally today, Luke, I was going to come on the show and talk about how punchless they looked with no Correa, no Lewis, and then they rested Walner and rested Kirilov and uh, rested Jeffers. Like it, it was a it was a meager looking lineup until the last three innings, and not having Lewis there, the big bat in the middle, that takes a lot of punch out of that group. So you're hoping for the best. You're hoping it's a, and I don't care if they ten day ten day IL and that's fine too. I just I hope it doesn't linger in the postseason because you need this guy. Yeah, I will say in the giant just grand scheme of things, when it comes to just the early thought process of these two guys and the injuries we just kind of saw play out over back-to-back nights, no less, maybe not as terrible of outcomes as we first initially ex- you know, expected or suspected, I should say. And what could have been, especially with Carlos Correa, specifically him, everything he's had to deal with this year with that left foot injury – um, you know, we'll take any good news we can get and just kind of continue on any other reports that come out about Royce after that upcoming MRI tomorrow. And of course, keep you posted with all the news, all the info, every single Twins game right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Twins postcast. Um, hey, here's a question maybe we should start pondering, I guess, now, Sam. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we hope both these guys are back come playoff time, but if not, Obviously, someone's got to step up in their absence. Let's say it's worst case scenario. Both guys are unable to go in early October. Who becomes the guy or two this team starts to lean on and can be that guy that, you know, can carry the Twins to a successful postseason, hopefully offers somewhat of a, I guess, smooth transition when it comes to who these guys are going to look at to be, you know, kind of the new voice, the new identity of the team during the stressful, critical moments of playoff baseball. Yeah, is this the Brooks Lee bat signal? Is Stop that what it. you're trying to bait me into Stop saying? It. People are 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 talking about it. They're the Brooks Lee whispers. Uh, he's hitting 232 at St. Paul. Um, you, you could, because of injury, you could get him on the playoff roster. So that's not an impossibility. He's got four homers, 21 RBIs there. 
Um, OBP is not great, like 299. He hasn't been amazing at AAA in 34 games, but he's still your top prospect, and you still need to inject something into this group. You know, maybe Willie Castro is that guy, Luke. This is the the new Swiss Army knife. This is the guy who gave him all the energy today when they were completely lackluster. He doesn't have the pop of um of a Lewis. He doesn't have the credibility of a Correa, but you need grinders like that to carry you when the team is down. And today, Willie Castro, really the last two nights after the injury to Lewis, he's carried the team on his back and done everything for him the last two days. So you love to see guys like that. But you know, you again you look to the younger guys. You look to Walner, who's kind of turning things around right now. You look to Julian. You look to Kirilov. Um, you look maybe Larnick. You know, Larnick could be a guy that steps up if there's a roster spot open. I think that the Twins have developed enough of a young core right now where it can be a different guy every night, right? Like you look at the the kind of the evenness up and down this lineup of you've got how many guys with 10 or more home runs. It is kind of a very even by committee approach. It's not just a couple guys that are doing all the work. Um, and if you're talking about, you know, energy leadership, maybe Byron Buxton makes an appearance um, in October too. We're still waiting on that to see if Buck can make a big return. Yeah. And I know he got off to a putrid start out the gate, but since the all-star break, man, Max Kepler, 303 batting average, mm-hmm. 10 home runs, 30 RBIs. You mentioned Matt Walner, maybe not the same contact hitting batting 233, but put up the power, 11 home runs. He's got the same as Kepler with the RBIs, 30 as well. And I think about this combination too, and I know you've mentioned a lot of guys, but these are just kind of the, the three or four names that comes to mind. I think about the combination of Polanco, the crafty vet. He's been around, seen it all, 10th season with the Twins. Mixed with some young cats like Edward Julian. He's been rock solid for such an inexperienced guy, right? Both those guys batting 266, combined 15 long balls, 46 RBIs since the All-Star break. Those are just kind of the three or four guys I think about when I think about, all right, who's got to be the catalyst and be forced to step up if, again, Correa and or Lewis aren't able to strap up and play. By the way, it's pretty crazy. Have you seen these splits, these numbers, to think about the Twins hitting and how it shifted when you just look at them before the All-Star break and then after eighth in home runs before, now fourth in the entire MLB since the break. Mm-hmm. Their OPS ranked all the way at 20th beforehand. Now it's all the way up to fifth, which is, I mean, that's an incredible turnaround. Not to mention team batting average and total hits gone from 25th and 23rd respectively all the way up to 12th and 11th. So clearly the break was so good for them, and this is a completely different team now than what fans first watched the first half of the year. Hope they can keep that up now down the stretch as well. Do you think they can? Yeah, I think this team is legitimately a threat in the playoffs now, and I wouldn't have said that until the month of August. Um, and now officially, I believe it here in September. Um, in fact, my my bigger question, almost more than the offense, is like, do you have a third pitcher, a third starting pitcher that that you really can lean on? Because you have options, you've got no shortage of options, but do you have a really solid three? Um, I'm starting to think more about bullpen, like bullpen construction, lineup or uh, rotation construction. The offense just keeps finding ways to deliver. And like I said, different guys all the time. You know, one night it's Michael A. Taylor. The next night it's Kepler. The next night it's Polanco. Then it's Jeffers. And they they seem to have a really good chemistry since the All-Star break. For whatever reason, just stuck in an absolute rut in the first half. And some of that, too, Luke, was you were just given so many at-bats to 
uh, you know, Buxton hitting like under 200, Correa hitting under 200 for a while. You had two staples high in your lineup that were black holes. Correa's come alive a little bit. Buxton hasn't been in the lineup. And unfortunately, without Buxton, they've actually put a better lineup out there that's been a lot more reliable. No, a lot of good points there. Let's get into the nuts and the bolts of today's game. Bailey over on the mound, how things shook out this afternoon. Spoiler, it was a fun one. Quick reminder, though, first, this episode brought to you by Bird Dogs. Because all the best teams in baseball, Sam, they got that one great utility man that can do it all, right? Well, Bird Dogs is the utility man in your wardrobe lineup. Whether you're on a date, working on the yard, just lounging on the couch, watching us, Bird Dogs, it's the do-it-all apparel with the versatility to give you that comfort you need combined with the look you want to feel good when you're out and about. Bird Dogs are without a doubt the best-fitting shorts and pants you can find for the money, better than Lululemon and every other brand on the market. It's the inseam liner that does it for me, Sam. They keep me cool and dry in all the best places, if you know what I'm saying. Combine that with the cloud-knit fabric gives you the look of the khaki, but the feel of the best athletic gym apparel imaginable. And add these to your collection today. It's an absolute must. And when you do, Bird Dogs is going to give you a free water bottle with any purchase. That's right. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on, or just use the promo code locked on for your free water bottle. It's as easy as that. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on, or promo code locked on when you're checking out for your free water bottle with any purchase. Plug these into your closet, line up, and get the utility man your wardrobe has desperately needed. Birddogs.com slash locked on. You're not going to want to take these off. I can promise you that. All right. Twins Reds, game three this afternoon. Both teams looking to win the series after splitting the first two. And this thing got dramatic at the end, Sam. Bailey Ober on the mound. Let's start there versus Hunter Green. I do want to touch on Hunter Green in just a minute, just real quick. But Ober, yeah. he goes five innings, 97 pitches, and almost, you look at the box scores, man, almost a copy-paste duplicate of his last performance versus the White Sox. In fact, Ober, in five of his last six outings, He's got five innings every time. Today makes four starts in a row where he's given up just two runs when he's made it through those five innings. Got a little trouble in the third. Walked two batters. Gave up a single. That gave up the first run of the game. Gets out of that jam. Very next inning. Fourth inning. Gives up the solo shot to CES. Another Reds player. Kind of want to touch on here in a sec. But that was it. Five innings again for over. Nearly 100 pitches again. Three hits, three walks, two runs. How you feeling about over in these five inning starts? We've kind of grown so accustomed to now. And when you think about the postseason, where does he fall in the pecking order? I guess just what's his role look like for this pitching staff come October, in your opinion? Yeah, this is what I touched on earlier. And this is why I actually think there's a question about your number three starter, for instance, in a wild card round where it's just three games. Joe Ryan has just been a little erratic for my liking. You know, ever since the injury, he's been up and down, had some real real blow-up starts where it went real real south on him. Ober was headed the wrong way. They sent him down. He he took some time off. Um, and you know, he, he has been fairly consistent. He doesn't blow you away. And I'm not sure that he's necessarily an awesome bullpen option. Maybe the you know, the the baseball community would tell me I'm wrong about that, but when you're throwing 92-93, that's not really the stuff you look for in the bullpen. Kenta Maeda has a history of being a bullpen guy. I think Dallas Keuchel, with that lefty look, might be a bullpen option. Ober feels to me like, if he's not in the rotation, 
I guess he's long relief, but I don't know if he's a one inning bullpen guy. So Ober, if you can count on him to get five innings in the postseason and give you just a quality start, maybe not the most efficient pitcher ever, hundred pitches, five innings, but if he's given up two runs every single start, I'd take that in the postseason and then give it to your bullpen. So I think he needs to be on the table. I got to see what Joe Ryan offers you these last couple starts of the regular season. I think Ryan is the leader in the clubhouse to be that third starter in the playoffs, but I don't think it's over yet. I don't think he's clinched it yet. Um, I thought Ober looked pretty good today, too. I mean, I thought his command generally was was solid. Obviously, you know, served up a breaking ball to CES, which you don't like to see, but he mitigated. You know, he limited the damage. I think he put a guy on the fifth inning. Pitching coach came out, probably had one batter left in the game, and I think he struck the guy out. So um, good job by Ober today when the lineup, if they had fallen behind by like five, Luke, this one's over. I don't yeah. think they're clawing back in that game the way they looked against Hunter Green. So props to Ober for just keeping it tight. Uh, fast forward to the seventh. It's Willie Castro, his second home run in as many nights. He gets the Twins within one. We'll talk about him a little bit more later. Now, while all that was going on, you mentioned Hunter Green. That dude was putting on a clinic on the mound for the Reds. And if you don't know, here's the quick backstory, just real quick. 2017, Twins take Royce Lewis with the number one overall pick. If you remember, that year with that specific draft class at the time, it was kind of a 50-50 split from scouts as far as like who the number one pick should be. Is it Royce Lewis or is it Hunter Green? Royce was kind of the five-tool prospect you drool about, but Green was this flamethrower, right, coming out of high school. He was throwing 100 miles an hour, just gas. He was the best pitcher in the class. Obviously, twins go with Royce Lewis. No regrets there. Both guys went through a little injury scare a couple of years ago. Royce with the ACL. Green had to have Tommy John surgery two years ago. But he looks like an absolute stud ever since. Looks the part of one of the top young pitchers in baseball. He goes seven innings, 14 strikeouts, which is just ridiculous, and just three hits, one run allowed. So, Sam, for being two teams playing in two different conferences that shouldn't have anything to do with each other between CES going yard today. You also got Spencer steer. Who's an absolute stud for the reds and then Hunter green on the mound. There are sure a lot of connecting the dots between the Minnesota twins and the Cincinnati reds lineup. Isn't there? Well, farmer, is an ex-red. I there think Solano is an ex-red. So you've got a couple revenge angles on both sides. And then Steer almost went yard in this game, too. I thought it was going to be the double whammy, CES and Steer. I looked at both their, you know, Steer has been, I mean, he's a staple in that lineup forever. Yeah. He's got, you know, 22 home runs, hitting 270. What what a terrible trade that ended up being, hindsight being 2020. And CES looks like a star as well in the making. So you don't like to dwell on that too much, but and you know, it's if you ask the question, who would you rather have, Hunter Green or Royce Lewis? I think both fan bases say we want our guy, right? Like the Reds are obviously gonna roll with Hunter Green. They think he's an ace pitcher. And the ERA is a little high, the whip's a little high, but the strikeout stuff is incredible. Career high today, I believe, 14. Um, and one note on that, Luke, I did the math. The Twins are now, if they're going to clinch the Central this weekend, I think, they're also likely going to clinch the strikeout record. They're 22 away from clinching the MLB strikeout record in one mm. season. Wow. Um, so there's that. There's that to pop champagne over as well. Um, but, yeah, the connections between these lineups are are interesting. And, uh, hey, how about Farmer? Maybe Farmer had a little fire in his belly. Going to second base on a hit and run, stealing third, not the most fleet of foot. 
um, veteran you've ever seen getting in there at third base. Twins were uh, fast and loose on the base paths today. Uh, yeah. Again, quick step back. I mean, no regrets as mm-hmm. far as selecting Royce Lewis, who's been dubbed. I mean, Mr. Grand Slam this month. He looks every bit the part of a number one overall pick. It was just so funny, though, to think about the fact Hunter Green was so close to becoming a Twins pitcher not so long ago. On top of the fact, Sonny Gray has helped the Twins so much since you know we've acquired his services, even though, like you mentioned, they coughed up. CES and steer to do it. So just a lot of six degrees of separation going on today mm-hmm. and in this series. And it would have been, by the way, awfully fun to see Royce Lewis first screen today on the mound right. in a almost Batman versus Superman type fashion with just how good both those guys have been this year. Uh, all right, let's pick up where we left off. Twins down one going into the bottom of the seven. Things got a little weird here, Sam. Help me if you can, because Luke Malley, the catcher for the Reds and the number nine hitter, he tries to lay down this bunt. He gets hit in the hand, but because his hand is wrapped around the barrel of the bat, everyone, including even Dick Bramer on the call, just assumed like, all right, that's his fault. He should be out. The play gets challenged and then overturned, and it turned out to be a pretty costly series of events because he somehow gets to come back up to the plate. He sends a looper into center field. Michael A. Taylor can't make the diving catch. Reds go back up two runs in the seventh. What the heck? was that man my head is still spinning right now trying to figure out what just unfolded yeah i loved also how offended latroy hawkins was <laughs> about his bad bunting form <laughs> that was great latroy is great yeah this, this is what i understand to have happened and people can chirp in the comments uh if you think i'm wrong but it sounds like when you swing your hand is part of the bat so if it simultaneously hits a finger and the bat the ball is in play but the rules change when you bunt. So if the ball strikes your hand mid-bunt, then that would be a strike and a dead ball. Um, and I, I didn't. I personally was. I didn't know if there was conclusive evidence that it got his hand. Maybe I wasn't looking closely enough. I. It still looked very much like the bat to me. Um, and he didn't react that severely, as if to like, ouch. Like, I just took a fastball off the finger. His reaction didn't tell me that he really got stung by that. So I was surprised they overturned the call. I just think it's a different rule when you're bunting or swinging. And uh, that was a strike because he offered at a bunt with a bunt, but the ball uh, hit his hand apparently. Yeah, goofy series of events. You don't see that every day. Very next inning, Julian Knoxon Vasquez makes it a one score run game again. Twins got two on. Two out, chance to tie it or take the lead. Kepler up. He ends up grounding out. So we go to the ninth. And this is where things really got fun. Because if we were playing NBA Jam at this point, Willie Castro would be on fire. He leads off the top of the ninth, gets on, no outs, steals second, botched hit and run, by the way, by Kyle Farmer, throwing error by that catcher, Malley. Castro turns on the Jets, gets all the way to third. Very next pitch, Farmer knocks him in, ties it back up in the ninth. Vasquez walks to put two on with one out, and then up comes Trevor Larnick. He gets called on a strike three. Check swing. I don't know if you saw it. I yeah. think we all thought if you saw it, a little sketchy. To put it lightly, it was a little sketchy. Third strike swing. I uh, agree. Have no fear. Jorge Polanco comes up, drives a first pitch fastball through the right side of the infield. Two runner score. Twins all of a sudden. Been losing all day. Take the lead in the ninth, 5-3. Twins rally back thanks to that late spark from Willie Castro. Had some clutch hitting by Farmer and Polanco at the end. Not to mention 
some frisky base running there, some some calls to stay aggressive on the base pass, if you will. Something, at least when I've been watching, I haven't seen a lot or a ton this season by this team. And that's Sam Ekstrom. I mean, that's your ball game. Your thoughts, I guess, just kind of on the wild and crazy day game by the Twins and how they can build off this momentum just psychologically after the way they battled back without Correa and without Royce Lewis and some other big names, by the way, out of the lineup today. Yeah, they kind of put out an unserious lineup today and still mm-hmm. won the game. Like, this is the lineup that I expect to see or I expected to see, like, on Saturday. Like, let's say they clinch on Friday night and then party the night away. I expected a lineup like this the, the day game after that um, because this was not a lineup intended to score a lot of runs. Like I mentioned earlier, no Walner, no Kirilov, no Jeffers, obviously no Correa or Lewis. So you've got you know, you're one of your weaker lineups that we've seen in a bit. And to find a way to still scratch out five, Willie Castro manufactures a run basically by himself in the ninth inning with the bunt, uh, the steal, the advancement, and the twins run a razor's edge on the base pads too. Like Castro could have been out very easily at third. Farmer could have been out on that double steal at third. They sent Vasquez uh, around third on that single, and he's really slow. And he he managed to get in there. So they were they were playing with house money. I mean, I mean, Jace Tingler, Tommy Watkins, they were playing with house money. They said, "Let's get out of here in regulation. We don't want to go to extra innings. Let's win in nine. And they do. Big hit by Polanco. Love him as a switch hitter. Um, clutch at bat. And the Twins took on a team, Luke, that cared. They're facing a lot of teams right now that don't care. So true. Um, Good point. The, Red, the Reds are devastated right now. Jeff Carr over on Lockdown Reds, he's weeping probably right now. Uh, that's like That was a huge loss for Cincinnati, and the Twins uh, just broke their back there in the late innings. Ah, poor Hunter Green, man. Pitches an absolute <laughs> gem. Seven yeah. innings, 14 Ks, video game numbers. Doesn't get the dub. Ugh, that's baseball, though. Talk to me about the just real quick as we wrap up uh, Twins playoff scenario, uh, the Twins magic number. And I guess as a fan, which team am I supposed to hope the Twins square off against come October? That is changing by the day. So up to the minute, the Royals are leading the Guardians four to two. The Guardians are going to get swept by the Royals. Um, that's pathetic. Guardians <laughs> have, have thrown in the towel. So what's going to happen here, Luke, is the Twins are going to clinch on their off day. They're going to clinch from the comfort of their own beds at home tomorrow night after a relaxing day off um, because the Guardians play Baltimore, best team in the AL. So the Guardians are going to lose this afternoon. They're going to lose tomorrow night to Baltimore, and the Twins are going to show up to the ballpark Friday, division champions. So that just, I mean, it takes a lot of pressure off this homestand. It takes a lot of pressure off guys that are banged up like Lewis and Correa, that they're, they're not missing anything. Now, the only thing that you can really pursue right now are the Astros. The Astros are four games up on you. I believe the Twins have the tiebreaker, and the Astros are losing as we speak in the seventh inning. So you could be three games back of Houston going into this homestand. Talk about playing with house money. I mean, that that would be the ultimate. If you could hunt down the AOS champion and get a bye, Luke, a bye, in the wild card round, which no one could have imagined um, a, f- a couple of months ago. But again, um, you would play the third wild card team, which as we speak, it's a toss up between Texas and Seattle. Uh, you've had a lot of success against Texas when they were slumping. Seattle's a good ball club as well. 
could be Toronto in the mix. I think you want to play Texas, but I, I don't have a good read on this yet. This is a, we're going to have a lot of locked on twins postcast shows to talk about who we want to play. Cause it's changing by the day. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to dive into all that as the playoffs inch closer and closer. Hey, so glad you guys could join us. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, following along on today's postcast. Next time, we'll try to get to any questions, comments in the group chat as we move along. But another reminder, we're going to be here nearly every single game from here on out the rest of the twin season, including the postseason, where we're going to get our guy, the Twins guru, Brandon Warm, to help break us down all the action. Can't wait for that. That's your reminder, by the way. Go check out Warren every day on the Lockdown on Twins postcast because he's pumping out everything you need to know as the Twins try to get hot and get healthy too heading into the postseason but uh, that'll do it for us man this is our first Twins postcast Sam fun game to start with I'll mm -hmm. tell you that here's to many more Twins victories along the way as well let's do it soon to be central champion Fo follow us on X at, just hold your horses man hey we got plenty of baseball left all right <laughs> okay a lot, a lot more baseball to be played follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman at Sam Ekstrom follow all our work over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network including some Vikings coverage too if you're into that every single day with the Ron Johnson show the roundtable Reggie Wilson football party tomorrow Luke Braun and Rifasan. quick breather for the twins tomorrow we'll see you Friday night as the twins start their three game series versus the Angels at home Pablo Lopez on the mound First pitch, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. For Sam Ekstrom, I'm Luke Inman. Twins win a dramatic comeback versus the Reds to take the series. We'll see you Friday night right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Until then, signing out.